0: All right, fam, let's go session two to finish Colossians online because it's hard for me to finish sermon series, but we're going to finish it. We're going to walk through every verse like I intended to and really felt we were meant to start the year rooted and established and confident in the supremacy, sufficiency, and sovereignty of King Jesus, who is head, Lord, Savior, Redeemer, Rescuer, Reconciler. He is the Lord, in whom are all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form, and in whom we have been brought to fullness. He's the treasure chest of heaven, and in Him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And We have access to Him by faith. We are actually in Him. he The argument we just ended with, Christ is our very life. Our spiritual life is hidden with Him in the heavenly places. And by virtue of our repentance and faith, that 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 dethroning of sin and self and separation, that turning from and then embracing and turning toward Christ by faith, we have been made a brand new creation, that we've been brought to fullness. So Paul is going to give us now instructions, starting in Colossians 3, verse 5, on how to f- actually appropriate. I heard one th- preacher, a theologian, say the rest of our Christian life after we receive cre- Christ Is becoming who we are. And yes, that's a play on words. Becoming by lived experience, attitudes, actions, character development, demonstrating through our conduct. We spend the rest of our life becoming who we already are by faith the second we trust in Christ and we're made a new creation. We're justified, declared innocent of all of our sin, acquitted. We're made righteous, Our dead spiritual hearts are regenerated. We're brought to new birth, new life. When all of this happens, however it happens, in whatever order, the the Lord sends the the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, and we cry out, Abba, Father. We're made children of God, no longer children of the devil. All these things happen in Christ, and they're prophetically demonstrated through baptism. All of that, our old self, our old sin, separation from God is dead. This is now the covenant sign of belonging to the people of God is baptism. And we're raised and resurrected to brand new life in Jesus Christ. So these things he tells us that we're about to read are how we actually appropriate by faith who we already are in our spirit, now in our, in, in our lived experience. These are the practical steps. So let's read the Bible together. Put to death, therefore, verse four, 5, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You, look at the language, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So, those things now no longer characterize your life now that you're in Christ you're a new creation. But let's say you spent, you know, many of us come to faith uh young, but some come to faith older. Let's say you say you spent 30 years by lust, greed, idolatry, impurity. That's a lot of life in your actual body with your actual mind that you used to live a certain kind of lifestyle. This is like for this is true of every believer at some level now that's not who you were. You are anymore. That's not your lifestyle. Those attitudes, those actions, that character, that conduct, may try to come back and sneak back into your life. Now you're learning to appropriate by faith the finished work of Jesus in real time. No, I'm dead to those things. I put that to death. I'm alive to Christ. That's his whole argument here. We, we put to death, in order to put something to death, you have to be made alive first. This is why he's talking to believers. To tell someone who's not been made spiritually alive to put something to death, that's like putting death to death, because they're not alive yet. So this is the work of sanctification. You have to be made alive first, John 5, 24, when you hear the gospel word and trust it, you cross from death to life. You have to be made spiritually alive in order to now, I read this, um, this was super significant, uh, Romans chapter 8, I think it was verse 15, just give me 10 seconds, One, two, three. Right. Romans 8. Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, it's not to the flesh, that Adam's nature, living for sin, living for self, Living separated from God. That's not how you live anymore if you're in Christ. You're in the Spirit. We have an obligation, but it's not to fleshly living. It's to living in the Spirit. He goes on to say, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Those things will kill you. Sexual morality... Disease, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, you'll lose your family. You'll think working 80 hours, having the four cars, the four houses, whatever. That will kill you. It'll destroy your family. He's saying any sin, if you take it to its nth degree, will manifest in some iteration of death. Those, that lifestyle will kill you. and Because of that lifestyle, God's wrath comes. So what he's saying is, look at this, verse 13, Romans 8. But if by the Spirit, say that with me if you're watching, if by the spirit. So unbelievers can't do this because they don't have the they're not regenerated adopted by the spirit. They're not made spiritually alive yet. By the spirit we put to death the deeds of the flesh. That lifestyle characterized by sin, self and separation from God. So we need the spirit to help us put that to death. Amen. So this is applying to believers. Unbelievers can't put something to death. They got to be made alive first. And as they grow in Christ, they'll realize, whoa, there's more God wants to do in me. I'm not meant to continue to live out of Adam's nature. I've been given a new nature, but that's meant to manifest in real time and real situations with real people, real attitudes and real actions and actual character and actual conduct. So the work, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, where it becomes our lived reality. This is awesome. This is what God does. So he's saying, By the Spirit, Romans 8, 13, We put to death the misdeeds of the body, or uh, then you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's Romans 8, directly related here. Let's keep reading. Put to death, all this. You used to walk in this, verse 7. You don't walk. This is not your way of life anymore. But you've got to continue to agree with who you are in Christ and put those things off if they try to creep back. The the Holy Spirit will sanctify us and give us power to live holy. Look at this, verse 8, he goes deeper to what what we might consider the lesser sins or practices. Look at this, I love how thorough he is. Now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, verse 9, since you've taken off your old self with its practices, see it, and you put on the new self, which you receive by faith, which is being renewed in knowledge, lived experience in the image of its creator. Here there is neither Jew, uh, Gentile or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all." So what he's saying is that we are literally made new humans in Christ. That's not we're not characterized by Jew, Gentile, circumcised, no, no, Christ has categorically is making a new humanity that doesn't live out of the old earthly nature of sin and lust and anger and rage and violence and vengeance and unforgiveness and pride and hatred and greed. Come on, that's how every other human lives. This is what's been destroying humanity from the garden to today. But God, Paul is saying Christ is making a new humanity and a new creation right in the midst of the messiness of human sinfulness. He's saying, but you've got to cooperate with the grace of God and what the Spirit wants to do in every believer to take those who are justified, regenerated, adopted, made alive, Further in, so that they're expressing out of their new nature in Christ, life in the Spirit. Christ is all and is in all. That new self that is now no no longer characterized by sin, self, selfishness, self-absorption, pride, and separation. It's now characterized by Christ. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Read all of Galatians 5. I don't have time, but it's a perfect chapter to describe and to go with Colossians 3. So you're being renewed. This is a renewing process. We never stop growing in this and appropriating who we already are by faith in Christ as our lived, demonstrated character, conduct, attitude, action our functional operational life. This is what the theologians call the mortification of sin. It's already dead, but we have to continue to agree, no, that's dead, that's my old life, that's no longer who I am, that's not how I live. And we grow and appropriate by faith the finished work of Jesus, who we are in Jesus as our actual life. So it's one thing to say, oh, I'm saved, sanctified, set free, healed, and delivered, but yet I'm harboring bitterness, envy, anger. I still have a side hustle of sin, I, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm just okay with it and just say, oh, I'm good because I'm in Christ. No, Paul's like, no, 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 yes, you are in Christ, praise God. But you don't stop growing. You declare war on sin. Sin is what Jesus became so we didn't have to live in it anymore. He's disarmed it of its power and strangled over the human race and over his sons and daughters. So we're not lazy or indifferent to the growth Christ calls us to grow in. We're active. Oh, we're present to his presence. We say, yes, Holy Spirit, I want more. And instead of all these external, outward things and special religions, and uh, no, I'm going deeper in to the reality of Christ. I'm ridding myself. I'm saying, no, I don't want to tolerate anything that represents my old nature and my old lifestyle. I want to live my new life in Jesus Christ because I'm a new creation. I'm a part of a new humanity who's meant to show and share with the world how good our God is and how glorious and beautiful Jesus is by our attitudes, actions, character, and conduct. So all of that old lifestyle no longer characterizes with its practices. I love that language in verse 9. We've put all that stuff off. So again... This cannot apply to, to unbelievers because they're not spiritually alive yet. So he's talking to the church. Friends, he wants to not just save us from, he wants to sanctify us through and through so that we can get on experiencing more and more of the glory of his presence, the, 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 the freedom of holiness and righteousness. He doesn't want there to have to be anything we just tolerate as it pertains to sin, bad habits or practices. He wants to go all the way down and all the way through. And he can do it. The grace of God is more powerful than sin. Read Romans 5 and Romans 6. There is a grace, Romans 5, 17, that reigns in the realm of righteousness. Oh, friends, there's so much for us. But we've got to cooperate and participate. So if I'm putting all that to death and I'm putting that off, those old lifestyles, well, am I naked? No. This is where he goes on to say, verse 12, I love how he finishes here. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's already who you are, now actively clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the acquisition of virtue, fruitfulness, maturity, these take time. You can't short circuit the process, but you can accelerate the process by saying in your spirit and the grace of God, I will obey wherever, whenever, whoever, whatever, no matter the cost or consequence. I actually believe that obedience to the voice of the spirit is the kingdom growth accelerator. It's still going to take time. Some habits or attitudes, God can change overnight. Some, he's like, this is going to be a journey and a process. He gets to determine the time length, amen? But we can actively participate by faith in the grace of Christ. And I'm telling you, the accelerator is just that resolve. I will obey you whenever, however, wherever, whatever it is, no matter the cost, no matter the consequence. I just want to say yes to your will. Your will, John 4 34 is my, doing your will is my food. And I want to I want to feast on you. So many believers are wondering, why am I stunted? Why am I not growing? I, I see all these promises, but it's not my reality. And I would simply say, what's the last thing you told the Lord? Okay, good idea, but I'm not willing to obey right now. And I will say, that's the point at which you stop growing. Obedience is not optional when it comes to the Lord. If you love me, you'll obey me. Read all of John 15. All of all of the Upper Room Discourse, 14, 15, 16, 17. If you love me, you'll obey me. This is how you express your love for me. And obedience is not just what moves my heart. It will transform your heart. This is how we grow in the Lord. And so, anyhow, clothe yourself with these things. We now have access to new garments. We now have access to compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love we now have access to these virtues. We now have access to these things that we see in others as admirable. They can, they're becoming true and true, truer and truer of us. So I'm putting on Christ. Romans 13 uh, 8 through 14. Says put on Christ. The night is almost over, the day is almost here. We no longer we don't dabble in those things we used to dabble in. You're already in Christ, but now it's not a matter of am I accepted? I'm accepted. I'm saved. I'm in the family. I'm adopted. I've been baptized. It's not the time to stop the pursuit. I set my heart. I set my mind, my gaze. And now, okay, Lord, I'll put that to death. I don't want that in my life anymore because I'm a new creation. It's, it's, it's out of continuity with who I am in Christ. Even how I talk, Lord, those things I would say are lesser sins to my, to, in my, my mind. All those things, Lord, I don't even want any part of any of that. Because I'm missing out on experience, the fullness of of life that's found and flowing from you. So I put on these things that help help the community stay together, like compassion, kindness, humility, patience, etc. Just as I've been forgiven, verse 13, I'm going to forgive others when they grieve me. And over all these things, I'm going to put on love. What defines Christian community is love that is shaped in the cross. Sacrificial, self-emptying service for the good of the other. He's saying this is the truest expression of your new identity. What theologians call cruciform love. Love shaped by the cross. This is how we know what love is. 1 John three sixteen. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Very next sentence. We also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So Paul, he gives all these descriptors, but really it's summarized. The canopy under which all of it rests is love in the shape of the cross. This is what binds all of these things like compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, patience. All of them are held together by the pursuit of love. This is why Paul says, in, again, in Romans 13 and Galatians 5, when you, when you pursue loving God wholeheartedly and loving your neighbor as yourself, you actually fulfill all of the law. On the way to loving, as described by 1 Corinthians 13 patience, humility, the whole, there's all the descriptors. Don't wanna go into it. But this is what binds us together. Love is what covers the multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4 8. And this is what we're meant to pursue. Again, this will require energy and effort and cooperation. So much happens to us by faith because He's good. He's the healer, saver, redeemer, reconciler, adopter, justifier sanctifier, but so much is required of us in the realm of cooperation and ongoing active participation in the process of transformation. And we know this, relationships take work. I don't work my way into the relationship, that would be works righteousness, but once in the relationship by faith in Jesus, there's a lot of work to do, of growing up, maturation, etc. We know this, in a marriage, kids, relationships, it takes work and mutual participation. All right, let's finish chapter three. Come on, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul, in almost all of his letters, he does this. Who I'm writing to, what are the problems? He prays the problem and the provision in Christ first. He begins to unpack theologically how Christ is the remedy. To whatever ails them, Christ is always heaven's prescription. (laughs) I love that. And then he'll get to now live, become who you are. He'll get practical with some like virtue acquisition, putting off certain attitudes. He does this in like every letter basically. And now he's getting to the church. Here's how you're meant to live in light of this, your shared life together. And he's saying the peace of Christ, the the Greek, it's, it's your umpire. Foul, fair ball, you know, strike, whatever. It's the peace, the shalom, the wholeness that comes that we receive by faith, that peace with God, with ourselves, and with each other, Romans 5, 1 through 5. This is now the umpire in the community of God. If there's a disruption of peace, we hit pause and we say, what's disrupting peace? Let's deal with it. Let's go after it together. Peace is the peace is our it's our governor it's our guide the the, the governor is the, is the Holy Spirit but when we're governed by the spirit Romans 8 6 through 10 it equals life and peace so it's it's related the, the spirit governing and peace ruling as the umpire it's the peace of Jesus so if there's not peace we don't just barrel on ahead and keep doing our programs this again we do this in, in modern church I'm guilty of this instead of saying whoop time out there's not peace here stop what is causing disunity? What is causing a disruption to shalom? Why aren't we flourishing? He's saying, let Christ's peace rule in your hearts as a body and members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. What if we took that serious? What if we said, peace is our empire, umpire, empire, umpire. Yeah, close. That's our, that's what's meant to rule our life together the peace. Isn't that awesome? The shalom, the wholeness, the flourishing that comes from being rightly in relationship, aligned and agreed with, and oriented around Jesus, the result will be peace in our hearts, in our homes, in our church. Oh, you see it? And be thankful. And then I love that. Verse 16 says, let the message or the word of Christ dwell among you. So peace is reigning, peace is ruling. It's the umpire calling the shots. We're we're submitted to the peace of Christ, and we're thankfulness is our expression, worship, praise, adoration. Thank you, Lord. And look what happens. Out of that, Christ's word, the gospel word, the truth of the scripture, it's dwelling in our midst richly, and we're growing and teaching each other how. Everyone's sitting preaching sermons at each other. No, look at the look at the vehicle. That God has called us to use or utilize to disseminate the truth of the, of the gospel, the truth of Christ and his word. Through wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, spiritual prophetic songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Through singing. This is why we're altar builders. That environment of worship with the word and prayer. Uh, it's what my friends at IHOP call, we're like a singing seminary. We're teaching each other by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs prophetic songs songs that are that are are derived from the scriptures and by the spirit that are that are pointing us and reminding us of who we are who jesus is what he's done what he's doing what he's promised to do this is god's recipe to grow the body up peace is ruling it's the umpire christ's word is dwelling among us how through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. We're teaching each other through the things we're singing and saying. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I know I'm inclined that way, but it's for the whole body of Christ, not just for musicians or people who like singing. We're meant to facilitate teaching and admonishing with all wisdom through the vehicle and lens, and we know this, music and melody and lyric and and dance and movement, syncopation Those things carry weight. We'll remember a song way more than we remember almost anything else. That's by design. God designed us that way. All right, cool. So that's our our paradigm, operational reality. Peace is our umpire. We're thankful as a lifestyle. He already told us in Colossians 2, verse 7, to overflow with thankfulness. I love Paul. He's like a father. He repeats himself. And then look at verse 17, this is for all of us. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So gratitude just pulsating through the body of Christ. And why wouldn't we be grateful? We're in Christ. And he is supreme, sufficient, and sovereign. This is why gratitude and thankfulness are the most natural expressions of the body of Christ. Whatever we're doing, it's all for him. My work, how I do family, how I handle finances, my whole life, every category, it's all in the name or through the power in the nature of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father for everything through him. This is the word to the church. A bunch of new creations who are learning to live out of their new identity, and the ongoing sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. We do not tolerate things that characterized our old lifestyle to continue to fester and to cause disunity within and around us. We say, no, that's not who we are. Put to death, put off, put on. Become who you truly are in the grace of Christ. Lord, I just say right now thank you for Colossians 3, 5 through 17. We got through another teaching. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would sanctify us. For those of us who, man, you'd say chatty, you touched on a nerve. I think I know why I've been stunted. I I've stopped participating in the growth I know Christ has for me. That old habit, that old snare. Yes, I'm in Christ. I love him. I've been born again because I have a spiritual appetite, but that thing still has power. And the key is Romans eight thirteen. by the Spirit, we put those things to death. We don't put them to death in our own strength. And so, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, energize and empower us, sanctify us, make us holy through and through, not just positionally, because that's true, we're made holy, but as a lived experience, Lord, a holy life and lifestyle. So Lord, I just pray you'd impart that, the sanctifying work of your spirit by the truth of the gospel, the truth, the way, the life, and truth of Jesus. Lord, bring us deeper, bring us further. Lord, let our church community, let our families be characterized by the shalom, the peace of Christ being our umpire. Lord, energize our our altar building, our lifestyle, our commitment to be those who, who pursue you with worship, with the word and prayer. Lord, I pray for new songs, new psalms, new hymns, new songs from the Spirit, Lord. I pray you would just galvanize the worship of our life together, the worship of our lived experience together as your people, that we would be the most thankful, grateful people on the planet. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory. We do this all, and I love it, whether in word or deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we give thanks to the Father, God the Father, through Him, through Jesus. I pray this. In his name, amen. We'll see you. I think we're going to finish Colossians in our next session. Woo!